You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Well, good morning. How are you today? Awesome. Well, I'm excited about today's discussion because it's it's one of those areas that are people are afraid of, people are misunderstood, uh, they misunderstand it, and it is misunderstood, and it is uh, often neglected. People are afraid of the whole thing we're going to talk about today. So there might be where some people are that just don't want to know about what I think about this because we've actually had people have drawn the line in the sand over this issue with us before. So, but the word of God speaks. Word of God speak. All right. Acts 1.8. We've been on this series called The Ghost and we've been talking about the Holy Spirit in our life and it's in his role that the Holy Spirit is God. 100%, not part God, not half of God, not the force of God. And not just uh, an ambient atmosphere presence of God, but the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is a person and he is God and there is one God and the Father is God and the Son is God. And therefore we have what's called the triune or triadic formula all throughout the New Testament of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, one God, one God. I'm going to say that over and over, one God three persons, the mystery of the multidimensional God. Uh, it's hard to comprehend. Um, that is why so many people have a hard time with it or don't want to talk about it. But let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus said that he was going to send us the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, 8, it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, last week, I had my sticks of dynamite. You remember the, my dynamite? And I don't know if you looked on Facebook that afternoon or that night. I, I, I lit up the dynamite. Actually, they were flares, but they looked just like dynamite. So I had my dynamite in service last week to talk about that word power. The word power there is the word in Greek called dunamis, and it's where we get the word dynamite. And it's where we get the word dynamite. And the word dynamite means explosive, miraculous power. Not just power, but miraculous, explosive power. Jesus said that he is going to send the Holy Spirit. And earlier in John, he says, I'm going to send him. And he says, currently he's with you. But he says, at one point, and he's talking about this point here, he says, he's going to move from with you to in you. And in the very next chapter of Acts, the Holy Spirit fell and dunamis showed up. And what followed in the book of Acts were power manifestations of the Holy Spirit that were all through the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Now this dunamis, this miraculous power, this explosive power gives us power for six different things. These are the six things we've been talking about. Number one, the power of salvation. You can't know God without the Holy Spirit. We talked about these things over the last few weeks. Number two, the power to walk in God's will, to be led and guided by the Holy Spirit as our counselor. Number three, to give us strength when we are weak. He is the comforter. He is the one the same power that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in every believer. Not in every person in this room, because not every person in this room is a believer. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then the same power that rose Christ from the dead, that dunamis power is in you, and he gives you strength 
when you are weak. And number four, to share Christ boldly. This is, this is one of the major differences of the power of the Holy Spirit in a person's life is that when you are walking in the power of God, you are bold about your relationship with God. Um, And then number five was the power to live a holy life. You can't change yourself, but God can transform yourself. He can change you from the inside out through the power of the Holy Spirit. And number six, and this is kind of where we've been and where we're going to be next week as well, and that is the power to make a difference in the world with spiritual gifts. God gives us Holy Spirit power, supernatural power, okay? Now, we must realize that our mission in the world is a continuation of the mission of Jesus. And Jesus, when he left and he said, hey, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back someday. And when I come back, I'm going to take you all with me. But until then, Jesus said, I'm getting things ready for you. I'm preparing a place for you. But until then, he says, I'm sending you a power that's going to give you the ability to make a difference in the world, that's going to give you the ability to change yourself from that sinful bad habits to that holy person who mirrors God in his life. He says, that power I'm sending you, I'm not going to leave you as orphan. The Spirit of God enables us for this purpose. He does not leave, God did not leave us here. Jesus did not leave us here to fend for ourselves in this calling. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. The Apostle Paul is talking to a church in Corinth. And the church is having all kinds of problems. And the, the letters of the New Testament are written usually from the apostles to churches, encouraging them in the areas of their weaknesses and in, in areas of sin even. And in Corinth, they were dealing with a lot of problems. And one of them was a misuse of the spiritual gifts. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14, we find the longest section in the entire Bible on the manifestational gifts of the Spirit. So that's kind of where we're going to look over the next couple of weeks. 1 Corinthians 12 says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. He says, you need to know this. He goes, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them, the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord, and there are different kinds of working, but in all of them, in everyone, it is the same God at work. By the way, that's the Trinity. He says, Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Lord, Christ, and he's talking about God the Father there. So he says, in the working of the things that God, the Trinity, is at work in the manifestational and in the spiritual gifts. He says, now each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That means it's given for the good of the church. He's talking about how God has given you spiritual gifts. Now, last week, we talked about some of these gifts. These gifts are important to understanding your role and your place and, and, and what it is that makes you tick. Uh, there are four areas of spiritual gifts that we've been talking about. Uh, the first one is the motivational gifts, or also known as straight-up spiritual gifts. They're mentioned in Romans 12. And last week, I challenged you to be in a live team and to take that spiritual gifts inventory. I'm just curious. Raise your hand if you took a spiritual gifts inventory at some point this past week. Raise it high. Pretty cool, huh? Look at all these people that found out a little bit more about how God has gifted them. God has gifted you for a unique purpose. Now that you know what you're naturally gifted towards, what you need to do next is find out how you can use that gift in the local church and then from the church to the world. That was the emphasis of last week's given and developed at salvation. These are gifts like 
perceiver. Uh, not sure what happened here. I did, but it did something. Of course it did. Okay. Give me one second. on still? Turn me up? Yay. I'll just hold it out like this the whole time. No, I'm going to put it back in my pocket. I won't even walk like this the whole time. No. All right, Stephen, if you hear this later on, I didn't break the mic, I promise. All right, we have a guest sound man today. Let's give it up for Don. Yeah. All right, some of these... Spiritual motivational gifts are perceiver, server, teacher, encourager, giver, administrator, the compassionate, the mercy-driven person. Um, Every Christian has at least one, and God gives you these to keep and to develop. And then there is, number two, the manifestational gifts. That's what we're going to unpack today. These are the, the supernatural gifts. And then there are ministry gifts. These are the spiritual gifts that God gives to certain individuals in a church to help lead the church. These are like the pastor or the teacher or the evangelist. These are gifts given to the church, empowered by the Spirit. And then there are mastery gifts. These are the skill gifts. These are the gifts that are what you're good at, your talents and abilities that God gives you through the Spirit to to live and function in this life. Today, I want to focus on the most controversial of all of them, the supernatural manifestational gifts. Now, I'm just curious, does anybody here, can anybody here say that, you know, I am pretty sure, just raise your hand, you can say, I'm pretty sure I've seen a miracle. Okay, okay. How many say I've seen someone get healed right in front of me? Anybody? Or you've seen someone who was sick and in a miraculous amount of time recover in in like an unnatural way? It was supernatural, okay? How many of you would say that you have had someone speak into your life about something that you never told them before? And it like it hits you in a way that wow, it was like a it was like a brick. And you're like, how did you know that? Well, these are manifestations when they're in the church of supernatural power of God. First Corinthians twelve one, let's look at that again. It says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. And I think most people are ignorant of the manifestational of the supernatural gifts. They're ignorant and uh, of how they operate today. Uh, There's usually an overemphasis on the gifts or a complete neglect of the gifts. I like how 1 Corinthians 12, 1 is is done in the New Living Translation. It says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Guys, I don't want you to misunderstand this today. It is terribly misunderstood terribly abused and taken out of context. There's a word there. The word gifts in 1 Corinthians is a Greek word known as charismata, all right? Have you ever heard somebody say, man, they have got a charismatic personality, right? That means they are like, they've got a, 
a kind of a passionate, kind of charismatic, kind of a, an attractional uh, personality that really is a gift, right? Well, the word that comes from that Greek word charismata, which means gift. It means undeserved gift, okay? And it is the gift of charismata, the gifts, the charismatas that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians, and the word gift here is unique to the word gift in the rest of the Bible, okay? So what's happening here is you're going to see a definition of what are known as the charismatas, all right? So let's take a look at the charismatas. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, it says this, to one there is given through the Spirit, all of these are gifts of the Holy Spirit, to one through the Spirit is gift, given the message of wisdom. Some translations say the word of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge or the word of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, the gift of faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit to another miraculous powers to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits. That's the word discerning of spirits, distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, the Holy Spirit. And he gives them to each as he determines. Anyone ever wonder what these gifts mean? Anybody? I'm just curious. Anybody here like, I've wondered what prophecy means. Nobody? Oh, then let's just close in prayer. (laughs) Father, thank you for this incredibly intelligent, smart, spirit-filled room of people. It's okay if you don't know. And it's okay if you're curious. You should be. If you are a believer, then you have the Holy Spirit in you, and he's, he's given you the dunamis. He's given you the power of God, and these gifts are within your reach. So let's talk about these. There's, few, uh, there's four views of the supernatural gifts of God. Uh, these four views are, the first one is called the cessationist. The cessationist believes that all these gifts have ceased to happen and that, uh, that they ended with the death of the last apostle. And when the last apostle who was John died, so did all of the supernatural gifts. There are a lot of churches, a lot of denominations that actually are cessationists. So that's why you never hear about them. They never talk about them. And when they do, they always mention that that was New Testament only gifts for the apostles only. There's a lot of cessationalists who are Christians. Then there are the charismatics. Obviously, charismatics get their word from the charismata word, right? Charismata, they call themselves charismatics. Basically, charismatics, they have an emphasis on the charismata. They believe that the charismata should happen often, should happen all the time, and that they should be sought after. And they also believe, the charismata believes, that the charismatics, not the charismata, the charismatics believe that the Holy Spirit is a separate event from salvation. Now, we have talked over the last several weeks that you are given, you are deposited the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. You are born into and of and with the Spirit at the moment of salvation. But charismatics will teach that you can be saved and not be filled with the Spirit, but when you finally are filled with the Spirit, then you'll get the charismata. So they'll say to some of you who don't operate in any of those gifts, they'll say you're a Christian, but you're not a full-filled 
Holy Spirit baptized Christian. They'll just say they're you're just kind of like junior varsity Christian. And they're varsity. They've got the letter jacket. They've got the charismata because they received the Holy Spirit. Now that's charismatics. And you also might know them as spirit-filled churches or uh, some non-denominational churches are charismatic. Um, and then there are known as Pentecostals. Now, Pentecostals, they believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are necessary. While the Charismatics believe that you can be a Christian and not operate in them, but you should, the Pentecostals say that true believers will operate in them. And if you don't operate in them, then you're probably not a true Christian. And they do a specific focus on speaking in tongues. So they emphasize tongues in all of their services, and and it's all about that. So you have the cessational churches who believe that gifts and all these things have have ceased to happen, and then you've got a large group of independent, non-denominational, charismatic churches that uh, that will sing, shout, dance, and line you up and knock you down and put a focus on the gifts of the Spirit, but you can be saved and not have them. And then there are the Pentecostals, and the Pentecostals are like true Christians are filled with the Holy Spirit period, and true Christians have the gifts, period. So there's obviously a variety of beliefs in the Christian church. There's also one more. The fourth view is basically the rest of the church, and that is the balance view. They, they basically believe that the, that the gifts of the Spirit are active and that the supernatural still happens today, but they are limited to God's will, not our will. And they're limited to what God desires, not our demands. Uh, What is living way? Well, we're not cessationalists. We're not charismatics. We're not Pentecostals. We are the fourth. Living way strives to have balance. We believe that the supernatural gifts are given to every generation for the ministry of the kingdom to be practiced according to the limits of scripture and God's will. So we believe in the supernatural. By the way, guys, the Bible is a supernatural book. From the moment that God spoke creation into being with a word to every miracle in the Old Testament, to every person that came back to life at the hands of Jesus, the eyes that were open, moving into the resurrection of Christ. I mean, you can't even be a true follower of Christ without believing in the supernatural. If you don't believe that a man can rise from the dead, then you can't be a Christian. Our whole faith is built upon the belief of things that are not natural. So it is possible to be an intellectual, to be a scientist, but there is also an embrace of the unknown in true Christianity because the book of the Bible and Christianity in itself is a faith that is and believes in the supernatural. Guys, we may not agree on all the things that we're going to talk about today, but this area today is what is labeled as a non-essential for us. That means we believe our church statement is in the essentials, there must be unity. Unity in the essentials, liberty in the non-essentials, and an attitude of charity and love concerning all things. So uh, if you are in unity with me today, awesome. If you're not in unity with me today, we can discuss, we can debate. We don't need to divide over this, all right? We can be in unity still 
on this issue because there is liberty in non-essentials. Now, if you don't believe any of this whatsoever, and even in the whole Christianity thing, you know, I'm going to love you. I'm going to treat you with love and charity regardless. That is our stance. So I want to challenge you today as we look at the scriptures, I'm going to try to tell you to the best of my ability what I feel the Bible is saying about the miracle manifestational gifts of the Bible. And if you don't agree, that's fine. I would ask just this. Have a biblical reason, not a personal opinion. Because your opinion doesn't matter when it comes to God's point of view. The Bible is the final authority. So if you have a difference of opinion, at least make it a Bible reason, okay? So let's talk about the charismata of 1 Corinthians. Here we go. All of these are supernatural. That means they're not natural, all right? That means uh, while... While, say, the motivational gift of prophecy, which is perceiving, which is a bold outlook on life, this gift of prophecy is not the same as the motivational. Different gift words, all right? The things that we're about to look at right now are completely out of the normal. They're completely unnatural and supernatural. They're miraculous, all right? Every one of them, all right? So if they can be explained away, then they're probably not the charismata, all right? So here we go. The first one, by the way, I have verses next to, your, uh, next to each one of these in your notes where there's examples of these being operated in the Bible, all right? We're not going to look at all those verses, but they're in there for you for, th- for further study. So let's look at what 1 Corinthians says of the charismata. The first one is known as the message of wisdom or the word of wisdom. This is the unique ability to timely speak the wisdom of God in important situations. This person can, through the Spirit, quickly distinguish between what's biblical or not in a super, with a supernatural understanding. There are some people that at, when God moves in their life, they get this word of insight, uh, this word of understanding that is beyond what we would imagine or even expect from this person. There are moments in your life when you need wisdom and when God will lead someone into your life to speak a word of wisdom into your life, uh, uh, you know, a word that just gives you direction and helps you. The second is similar, and it's called the word of knowledge. While the word of wisdom is a word that speaks direction into your life or wisdom or understanding, the word of knowledge is a word that reveals things in your life. While the word of knowledge is the unique ability to timely understand and know what could only be revealed supernaturally. A word from God from another. For instance, if someone comes to you and says, you know what, I really feel led to tell you that this is something that's going on in your life that you need to take care of. And you're like, what? What? You know, how did you know that? I just, I just felt at this moment that I needed to come and talk to you about that. You know, God moves in the word of knowledge. And there are things that, that you know, God gives leadership at certain times and friends and even spouses where there's a, a, a knowledge or an understanding. It can come through different ways. It can come through uh, the spirit moving in your heart. Uh, you, maybe you can even, even sense the voice of God in your heart. You might get it through a dream or something. God gives us words of knowledge where he uses them to guide us and to draw us to him. So wisdom is guidance and counsel while knowledge is a revealing of what is going on in our life that only supernaturally could have been known. Um, Again, there's examples of these in your notes in those uh, verses. The next one is the gift of faith. 
Now, this is a unique ability because this is the unique ability to trust God and encourage others regardless of the circumstance. They have great spiritual confidence for a specific situation. This is the person who at a given time feels so moved, so convinced, so convicted that man, when they pray the prayer of faith, they are so moved with deep Holy Spirit direction that they know that what they prayed or what they're going to say is absolutely 100% going to come true. That's supernatural. The gift of faith. There's, there's a, references in the Bible to praying the prayer of faith. Uh, these are the people that visionize missionaries walk out this every day. Uh, when you're a missionary and you live in an environment where you have no money coming in or and you, your life is on the line and you're living in a community that's hostile to you and you're not sure how you're going to survive but you have complete peace and understanding about what God has called you to do and you're walking and moving in every single step of your life in complete, solid faith, that is a miracle. That is something only God could do. If you were to trade place with them, you would have a heart attack. You know, you'd stress out. You'd be like, oh, I can't be here again. You know, that's faith because God has given them a unique ability to have complete confidence despite their circumstances. Then there is the gift of healing. The Bible talks about this throughout in Acts, and James talks about it. This is the unique ability to use God's power to see the sick recover. Like faith, this person has moments of great assurance to see healing by God's power, not theirs. There are moments in prayer when I've gone to the hospital and I've and I prayed for someone, God, moving their life and touch them and uh, heal their body, you know, if it be in your will, moving them. And then there are moments when I pray and I'm like, you know what? This is a moment and I know that 100% this person's going to be healed. And I pray a prayer of healing that... that Sometimes isn't there, and sometimes it is. And I've seen people recover. I've seen blind eyes right in front of me uh, uh, get well. I had a friend who had a, a busted face, and his whole eyes were swollen shut. I saw him go up for prayer one Sunday morning, and they laid hands on his on his eyes. And when they removed their hands, his eyes were normal. This was my this is my friend. This was not a fake. This was not something that went down over reduced swelling. This was his eyes were normal. Miracles. We saw this beautiful miracle in Haiti when we were there. You probably knew that was coming. Uh, When we were in Haiti this last August, our ministry team was going door to door, and uh, there was this child that was, uh, this small child that was naked and just wailing and screaming and sick and just laying out on a mat and uh, the mother said that he'd been like that uh, for days, for days and days. And, and we were, the, the kid was uh, drenched in sweat, his pain. He was obviously deeply, deeply sick. And we were convinced, uh, we were in this mountaintop uh, village where there's not easy access to medical care or attention. So we immediately thought that if this young boy does not get help within 24 hours, he's going to die. We were convinced of it. So we went back that night. Well, the team laid hands on that boy, and they prayed for him. And, uh, and then we left, and we immediately began to talk to our leadership team there in Haiti. And we're like, somebody's got to get over there. We need to get a medical clinic. We need to do all this. And they're like, it takes days. We can't just do that. It doesn't happen. We need to maybe get him from down here. And, you know, there's all this logistical stuff. And we're like, oh, we were so frustrated. We're all moved. We were heavy-hearted. We were sad. And that morning, that next day, we, we took the hour – 
uh, plus drive up into the mountains and, and our group split up and immediately one of the groups went to that house and they went looking for that boy that was sick because we were just so concerned that he had died or was going to die. And the mom says, oh, he's not here, he's out playing. He's somewhere in the hills playing. That was a miracle. That was, that was a supernatural healing of God. He, we prayed for him, and that night, he got up whole and well. That's a miracle. That is a signs and wonder. That is the First Corinthians charismata. The next gift is miracles. Different from healing, specifically, while healing deals with the recovery of the sick, miracles are a unique ability to perform signs and wonders to testify of God's of God and his word. This is a clear intervention by the Holy Spirit into the laws of nature, okay? These are acts of power. That's what the word miracle means. It means acts of power, acts of dunamis. This is when God overrides the laws of nature. Now, if you can explain a miracle away, it's probably not a miracle, okay? Now, God can orchestrate relationships and open up doors that are unexplainable and use people to bring miracles. Like, for instance, maybe you need a financial miracle and you have prayed and it is way beyond your ability to even see this problem met. But all of a sudden, through this relationship or this person that you were not even thought about, they come into your life or money comes into your life or it shows up in the, in the mailbox. Has that ever happened to anybody before? Yeah, it happens, by the way. You know, when I was 18 years old and uh, I was uh, committed to go to Bible college and I had zero money to go to Bible college, I knew God had called me to step out and uh, all my roommates at the condo, this little townhouse we were renting, uh, renting, were all moving out and I was about to be homeless in about three weeks and I had no money. I I needed $2,000, all right? I needed $2,000 to go to college for one... For one semester, just to get in the door to have a place to live, I needed two thousand dollars. I had zero, and a week came, a two weeks came. I had three days from the time the apartment was empty, all my roommates went. I was man, I had been praying. My job was supplying just enough finances for me to eat and to have gas. I did not have money. I knew God had called me, and I didn't know. Maybe it was the wrong time, the right time. I didn't know, and I was praying and praying and praying, and I, and I was going through my stuff as I was packing, and I found this, this box of baseball cards that belonged to my stepdad that he gave me, and I thought, well, maybe, just maybe I can sell these baseball cards and, and maybe have some place to stay for a few days. So I, I just, old school, this is pre-Google, I looked through the phone book, put my finger on the closest card place I could find, which is in Plano on Beltline. I don't even know if it's there anymore. And I, and I drove my, my, my junky little car over there, and I pulled in, and I carried this little box of, of old baseball cards, and I put them in there, and he just spent like an hour writing things down and going through them and writing them down. And, and then he slides me over a piece of paper, and he says, uh, this is the most I can give you for them. It was $1,800. And I'm like, sure, that'd be great. You know? And no kidding, man. He gave me the money and a check, and I walked out, and I was going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure everybody on Beltline was like, what is up with this crazy dude? I'm like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. My last day to get mail at that address, I went home, and there was $200 in the mailbox from a friend who just said, I felt led to give you $200. $2,000, my first semester was covered. Boom. God provides miracles. That is unnatural. 
That is not planned. God provides miracles. And sometimes he uses you to bring about a miracle in somebody's life. The next one is the gift of prophecy. This is the unique ability to speak a word that is known as a now word in a particular situation and proclaim divine a power uh, to, to proclaim a divine powerful word from God according to God's revealed word. Sometimes foretelling, but mostly forthtelling. That means sometimes you need the prophet to speak into your life, that friend, that person, that Christian, that leader, uh, to come to you and say, you know what? This has got to change. This is about what's going to happen. You know, you, we see this through the book of Acts. Well, Paul had friends, relationships, uh, elders, people speaking to his life and say, if you go to that location, you will be arrested. Don't go. And uh, where God would send a person to reveal a word, a God now word. Not a like, God, this is what you're going to do in 50 years. I don't, you don't see that in the Bible. All right, when people start, if someone takes on the mantle of prophet, they're probably not a prophet. By the way, we're going to talk about this uh, in two weeks, because we're going to talk about the gifts of the church through the Holy Spirit, the prophet. But here's something just to think about. Anytime a prophet gets paid for prophecy, they're a false prophet. Because the Bible makes very, 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 very clear prophets are not to be paid. And if they receive any kind of funds for prophecy, they are a false prophet and should not be listened to. So if you're at a prophecy conference and they have a big giant offering and and all the prophets that are there get paid or they get a partial pay, guess what? They're a false prophet because prophets do not get paid. That's a biblical principle. And uh, you need to Follow the biblical definition. We're going to talk about that later. But the prophecy is a gift where you or somebody else is given a supernatural word from God that speaks to them now and for them now. And then there is the gift of discernment. Uh, This is the unique ability to determine if a message, a person, or a situation is of God or not. This is moments of clarity concerning unseen spiritual activity. Sometimes uh, leaders in particular are given the gift of discernment in moments when they walk into a room and they can discern that there's some spiritual activity in the room that's not of God or, or, an act, or an event or a situation or a message or a person or something that's about to happen and you just have this real clear spiritual guidance and this insight that this is not from God or this is from God. That's a supernatural, charismatic gift of discernment. And it is uh, something that's powerful, discerns good and evil, truth and lies. Guys, the devil is a liar. And every day he's lying to us. He's lying to us through music, through movies, through television. He's lying to us through culture. He's lying to us through friends and even through family. And he can even lie to us using Christians. And we need to know discernment through the Spirit of God, okay? And uh, God has given us His Word to give and have that discernment, but there are times when when maybe we're not real clear on God's Word and the Spirit gives us clear insight on it. Um, And then there's uh, the last one. I grouped them together. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. This is known as glossolalia, glossolalia, which is basically tongues. And basically what the word tongues properly translated is languages. The word language is it's the unique ability to speak another language you have never learned. Uh, The primary purpose of this in the New Testament in every single instance is for confirmation and evangelism. And uh, true tongues 
are rare. Next, because that's such a bizarre and complex thing, we're going to focus next week just on tongues and interpretation of tongues, okay? So if, if you're thinking of that week to bring a friend, next week is a great week, all right? Don't be like, <laughs> tongues, I'm definitely not bringing them on, on next week, you know, or today, because we're talking mirror, you know. Uh, you know what? This is a great time because they need to know a, po- a proper and biblical view of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Um, again, these are gifts that I believe are all still active. However, however, we need to understand a few things about them. So this is where I want to close today. Is I want to tell you some things you need to know about the charismata. Okay, here's the first thing. The charismatic gifts, this is kind of an easy no-brainer. They're not natural talents. You're not born with the gift of faith. You're not born with the gift of discernment. You're not born or have, you're not talented in the word of wisdom. You're not, uh, you know, really, you know, uh, gifted or talented in the word of knowledge. Uh, You're not born with any of these gifts. They have nothing to do with your abilities. They have nothing to do with your talents. They are purely supernatural. They are not natural. So if you feel like, well, I don't know if I could ever do that. I don't think I could ever get in front of somebody. I don't think I could ever walk across the room and give somebody a word. Well, you know what? You can't. You probably can't. Some of you, you're a little bit bolder. You might find that easier, but most of you, you can't do that. That's not natural. But through the Holy Spirit, you sure can. It's supernatural. All right, second thing you need to know is that these are not signs of maturity. None of these gifts mean somebody is better or more mature or varsity Christian. So if there's a church or a group or denomination that somehow feels that they're better because they like flow in these kind of things all the time and they seek and search after these things, you know what? That doesn't mean they're more mature. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, chapter 1, Paul says, you know what, I've heard about you guys and you don't lack any of the spiritual gifts. Good for you. But then in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, you're acting like a bunch of babies. He says, you should be drinking, uh, not milk anymore, but should be eating meat. He says, you guys are, even though you're spiritually active in these gifts, you are spiritual babies. They are not in any way a measure of a person's maturity. They are not the fruit of, of the spirit. The manifestation gifts are not the evidence of the spirit. You know what the evidence or the fruit of the spirit is? They're in Galatians 5. The fruit of the spirit or the evidence of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Those things are the evidence or the fruit of the spirit. Use of a supernatural gift does not mean that you are spiritually mature. Okay? They are not the result of a closer walk with God. I've seen very immature people being used in one of these supernatural gifts. I've even seen Christians who are like incredibly uh, uh, immature to the point that they're constantly stumbling in their walk where God has used them in these gifts. And because of that, they're not given to just ministers and leaders. They're not given just to the elite. That means any believer who is a follower of Christ, you have been deposited with the Holy Spirit, any believer can experience and move in the supernatural gifts of God. 
That's good news. That means every one of you in this room has access to that dunamis, all right? And I've got a light over here. I'm going to explain this light in a moment. Um, by the way, the true evidence of the Holy Spirit is, is a person, uh, is their love and submission to Jesus, is a person's love and submission to Jesus. It's about a growing disciple, not a gifted disciple. Number three, you need to understand this about the charismata, is that they are not about ownership, but stewardship, Okay. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, Paul says this, and these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he, God, distributes to each one just as he determines. Guys, listen. If you have ever been used in the supernatural, that does not mean that that is something that you possess or own. For example, if you prayed for someone and you've seen them healed, you're not a healer, Okay. That means at that moment, God used the gift of healing through you, okay? And, and if you brought some sort of like uh, a revealed word to somebody and really God moved it into your, moved into your heart and life and led you to talk to somebody and you're like, man, that's exactly what I needed to hear. That's exactly what God was saying to me and you confirmed it. You're not, I'm a prophet. I'm a prophet. Where's the conference sign-up sheet? You know, that doesn't mean that you are a prophet. These are gifts of, uh, of stewardship, not ownership. They are not something we keep to use as we wish. God gives them as he wills, as he determines, not as we demand. This is so crucial. See, unlike the motivational gifts that we talked about last week, where God gives you these gifts, these sticks of dynamite to light up and to be used, that God uh, uniquely spiritually gifts you, motivate you in certain gifts, the charismatic gifts are not given and deposited for you to keep and to possess. They are given and used as God needs to accomplish his will. And they're not things that happen naturally. I've heard people say, well, the supernatural happen naturally. Should happen all the time. No, it shouldn't. It's supernatural. All right. If you read the book of Acts and you think that that's all natural, you're mistaken. That's supernatural. Now, those things can still happen today, but we need to remember this. Acts 1 to Acts 28, you know how many years? That's 31 years. And sometimes those miracles only happen once every couple of years. Sometimes the evidence, the manifestational gifts only happened occasionally in the 31-year time span. We can't read the book of Acts and think, well, this should happen every day because it didn't and doesn't happen every day. It's as God determines as he wills over the course of time to a specific moment through his people when needed to accomplish his purpose. So God might use you and give you the spirit of faith to pray for somebody or a situation. Like there's been moments when I prayed for people who needed a job. And I'll pray for them, that God would just use them and direct them and help them. And then there's sometimes when I'm just overwhelmed with faith and I pray and I tell them immediately afterwards, you'll have a job in two weeks. Some days I don't have the faith to say that because at that moment, it's not a gift that, that God is using me. I'm praying for them and that for them to trust God, but sometimes God will use that gift to inspire, to lead or to comfort somebody. And, and it's not something I'm going to have all the time. If, I've, I've, if I pray for you and you've gotten better, that's, that doesn't mean the next time I pray for somebody, they're going to get better, okay? These are not gifts that we own. These are gifts that we are periodically to steward, 
okay, that we are given as God wills. Hebrews 2, 4 says, God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. All right, this is important. Supernatural gifts come and go and are uses and used as needed by God. This is something that a lot of churches who are charismatic and Pentecostal, I think, misunderstand. They feel like if they've done one thing, then they have that thing. And then all of a sudden you, you have all these people that, that flow and nothing happens because they think it's going to happen all the time, and it doesn't. Um, number four, you need to know about the charismatas, that they are not the same in importance. That means uh, some of these gifts are more important than others. While the motivational gifts that we talked about last week, they're all equal in value, these gifts are not equal in value. Some are actually more important and more vital than the others. Some gifts are more important and are encouraged more than others. One in particular is encouraged more than all of the others, and that is the word of prophecy. And we'll explain that in a minute. But look at 1 Corinthians 12, 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you has a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. And he says, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all work mir- Do all work miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. The answer is no. These are all rhetorical questions. Not everyone will experience them all. And then he says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. By the way, the churches that focus on tongues, guess where tongues were on that list? On the bottom. But a lot of these churches, Pentecostal charismatic churches, they put it on the top. I mean, there's salvation, tongues, right? They're like right behind each other. And Paul says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And then he says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And then he goes on to the next chapter and he says, the excellent way is the way of love. We're going to talk about that in a second. 1 Corinthians 14, 18, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Not to be arrogant, he's just, that's how the translation came out. He says, you know what? I speak in tongues probably more than all of you. But he says this, but in church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in tongues or another language because the value of tongues is so small and intelligible now words is so important, okay? Not all of these gifts have the same value of importance, so we can't arc them and say we should move and roll and, and all of these. They're, they're used as God determines as he wills to accomplish his purpose. There's sometimes when someone needs a miracle and God will give them that miracle to bring them closer. There's sometimes when God won't give them a miracle because he wants them to learn how to trust him. There's sometimes when God will heal somebody and bring them right out of a hospital room. And then there are other times when you can pray and they stay right in that hospital room and they might even pass away there. For whatever reason, God's will is accomplished in both. And this is important to understand. The gifts are as God determines and he gives us the grace to overcome our trials when those gifts are not manifest or when they're not or when they don't show up. There is one thing that is greater than all of these gifts. 1 Corinthians 13, smack in the middle of 12 and 14. 12 is all about the gifts. 14 is all about tongues. Smack in the middle, he says, there's even a greater way. And this is what he says, love never fails. Verse 8, love never fails. But where there is prophecies, well, they're going to cease. Where there are tongues, well, 
they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, that when the completeness, or when the perfect comes, when, it, uh, when that comes, uh, what is in part will then disappear. Um, and there are a lot of, the cessationists will say that the perfect that has come is the word of God. And they'll say, well, the perfect has come, so we don't need signs and wonders. But if you read the context of what Paul is saying in the chapters prior and before, that perfect which is to come is the return of Christ. So he's saying that when Christ comes, guys, listen, you won't need a prophetic word. You'll have the spirit in clarity. When, when Christ returns, you won't need evangelistic tongue speaking. You won't need to know other supernatural languages because you'll be in the presence of God and will know and understand all things. When Christ returns, you won't need to be healed because you will be healed. You won't need to seek out someone to pray for you. When that which is perfect comes, those things, those gifts are imperfect because they're not consistent throughout our life. They will disappear because that which is perfect or complete has arrived. So that verse is not about cessationalists. It's about the return of Christ. Now, one time, these, at one point, these motivational gifts uh, and these manifestational gifts will come to an end. So this is important. We are not to seek supernatural gifts. We are to seek love. All right? This is made clear in 12, 13, and 14. We are not to seek after speaking in tongues. We are not to seek after prophecy. We are not to seek after miracles or signs and wonders. We are to seek after love and the will of God for our life. And God will often use and move people in and through your life periodically in these gifts, supernaturally, okay? And there's the fifth thing you need to know is that there are false signs and wonders. There are false miracles. There are false and fake miracles. That means there are false, demonic, and there are fake charlatans. There are people who are in the business of signs and wonders. There are churches, there are pastors, there are evangelists, there are TV personalities that are in the business of signs and wonders. They are charlatans and they are false. Matthew 24, 24, Jesus says, For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Then Paul later on warned the church about 30 years later in Thessalonians. He said in Thessalonians 2, 9, he says, This man uh, will do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. A preacher, a prophet, a psychic, or a person who claims to have power may not be moving under the power of God, but under the power of Satan. These things are what is known as demonic. Just because someone can tell your future does not mean they're from God. Just because someone knows uh, something about you or something is revealed about, it could be a complete demonic activity. How do you know? which is from God and which is not. Very simple. Number six, the Holy Spirit will never contradict Jesus. The Holy Spirit will never contradict Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 12, 3, Paul starts off, he says, he says, therefore I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God can say Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And in John, Jesus says, I'm going to send you the counselor. I'm going to send you this advocate. And you know, he says, he's going to teach you everything about me. And he's going to remind you everything about me. And he says, he's only going to speak the words that he hears from me. 
So if someone is moving in the spirit, quote unquote, and they have signs and wonders or power or one of these gifts, and they are contradicting the very words of Jesus and who Jesus is, then that person is demonic, according to the Bible. They're moving under the realm of demon activity. If they display supernatural power but deny Jesus and the clear biblical theology, they are a false or fake person. The deception of Satan is there to lead people away. Every supernatural event should be weighed with the Bible. Okay? It should be weighed with who Jesus is. He is God in the flesh who died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again three days later. He is fully man, fully God, and his words are forever and ever. Amen. He spoke. He was the creator. He was the fulfiller. He is the Alpha and Omega, and one day he's coming back. If someone says contrary that Jesus is God, regardless of the gifts, they are a false, moving under a false spirit. If someone contradicts the Bible and the very words of Jesus of what it means to be a follower of God, they are a false prophet or fake. Here's the last thing, and I want to close with this and pray for you, is that these gifts are not something to fear. The charismata is not something to fear. Second Timothy says, Paul wrote to Timothy, a young pastor in the church at Ephesus, and he says this, he says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. To a believer, the Holy Spirit is not one that will breed fear and anxiety in our life. So here's what's beautiful about the supernatural. When it happens, it's accompanied with the peace and the power and the understanding of God. You know, to someone who's lost, the supernatural is freaky and scary and, 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 and just confusing. To a believer, it should cause you to go, thank you, God, and to give him the praise and the glory not to stir fear and anxiety in you. Christians split over this. People leave churches over this. And in some cases, they should because they're going to churches where there's a false teacher or false doctrine or false theology or twisted view of this. But some, they're willing to use these in a fleshly way rather than a spirit way. Guys, I want to encourage you. Here at Living Way, the spirit is free to move in these gifts as he determines as he wills. When it comes time for prayer, when it comes time for a miracle, when it comes time to a word of knowledge, a lot of these gifts mostly show up in small groups in your life teams. So if you're not experiencing these gifts, maybe you need to be in relationship in a community with other Christians where these gifts are experienced. But again, we're not to seek these gifts. We're to seek the the love of God the presence of God in how we can reflect him more. So for some, this is a real stretch of faith for you. Churches don't generally split over serving mercy and encouragement, but over healing, miracles, and tongues. So the question is the charismata, how will you respond? But the greatest gift of this, the greatest gift of all of the Bible, the ultimate gift is found in Romans Chapter 6, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift or the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to mention this slide. I forgot to mention earlier. Here's how the Holy Spirit works when it comes to the motivational gifts is that there are times when God says, I want you 
to give a word of knowledge to somebody. And you give that word of knowledge, and then the gift is, is not there. God will say, you know what, I need healing. And you go to pray for somebody, and all of a sudden, uh, you just have this, the Holy Spirit falls upon you, and you're, man, you are, man, you know that this person's going to be healed, and you pray with confidence, healing over them, and then it's gone. See, this is how, this, there's power. When you are attached to the power source, who is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by the hand of God, by the will of God, will use that gift according to his will. It's not a light that's on all the time. You don't have the gift of healing and live it and walk it. You don't have the gift of miracles. Boom, 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 boom. You know, filling water jugs of water with, with, with wine. And, you know, you're not like parting your bathtub waters. You know, you're like, boom. You're not doing, you know, this is at moments when God needs to show himself through you. He'll, through the Holy Spirit, because you're connected to the Holy Spirit, because you're a Christian, God would say through the hand of God will light up your life at those moments with the charismata to be able to give you the ability to move and to give him glory. But one gift that is given and stays on is the gift of salvation to all who believe. So as we pray, as we close right now, I want to give you that chance to receive the ultimate gift that is given by God through the Holy Spirit, the gift of salvation. Let's pray. I'm going to have the band come forward and close out. God, thank you so much that you have given us supernatural gifts. But God, I pray that we wouldn't uh, concern ourselves to the point of obsession over these gifts, that we would just be open to them as you will. As we are open to them and understand them and have discernment, Lord, you will use these, these powerful supernatural gifts in our life throughout our life. Every Christian in this room has access to the power of God. But Lord, the greatest gift of all is going to be the gift of your son. So if there's anyone here that says, you know what, I have not bowed the knee to Christ before. You talk about this power and I, it is so strange, so weird. I don't connect at all. That's okay. You don't have to understand it, but you have to understand this. That Jesus loves you and he gave his life for you. If you bow the knee of your life to him, acknowledge your sin and receive his forgiveness, his grace, his gift to you is salvation. Would you do that right now? Just talk to Jesus. Jesus, here's my heart. Here's my life. Here's my sin. Here's my struggles. God, forgive me. Wash me. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.